So hello everyone, um, this is Nick and Toby from 90. Um, welcome to Beyond the Best, which is our podcast where we'll try and use the innovation tools and knowledge that we've got to ask ourselves how we or you can go about building products or services that go beyond the best in the business. Um, so this is our first podcast, so welcome to Series 1, Episode 1. Toby, welcome along. Thank you. I guess this is both of our virtual rooms, so I don't know why I'm, I'm welcoming you, but I think, uh, I don't know, I, I felt like it was uh, incumbent. No, you, you claim ownership, Nick, you know, have it all to yourself. Okay, fine. Well, good. I am the oldest and the, and the biggest, so I think that's, that's fair enough. Um, so, like I say, this is uh, Series 1, Episode 1. We are going to be talking today, Toby, about, tell us about the topic for today. So the topic for today where we're starting on is, is loyalty um, and loyalty programs more specifically. So what, what we want to talk about a bit is, is how do you build a genuinely successful loyalty offering for customers? Um, and in terms of genuinely successful, what we're going to talk about is, is making sure that it achieves, you know, specific aims that you as a business are going after. But importantly, that's got to have high engagement from customers on something that's over and beyond your kind of core product offering. It's not just a product. It, it's much more than that in terms of, of a, a program that is driving loyalty in your customers. Brilliant. Um, so yeah, I, I think this is a, a really interesting place to start. And, and like I say, we're, we're going to start off thinking about, um, in particular, an insurance um, case, I guess, or, or a, a business insurance that does this really well. We'll leave it just, just for now before we introduce who we think are probably the, the best in the business when it comes to, to loyalty, or at least one of the best in the business when it comes to loyalty um, in insurance. Um, so, T Toby, I'm gonna, I think I'm gonna hand back to you now, just to talk a little bit about maybe um, some some statistics about brand loyalty, because when we started thinking about this series and, and this particular episode, we kind of said, well, we think loyalty is important, but I know you had a bit of a, a look out there and I had a, a bit of a look too and, and came up with some stats just to, to prove why that's the case. So yeah, tell, tell us some of these stats that you've got on on brand loyalty. Yeah, so so we, I think it's important to to have in, in, in your mind the question, why do businesses bother doing this in the first place? Um, you know, this is something that's common. It, it, talking about it as a market size from kind of businesses offering this very thing as a service, the loyalty management market, it's worth somewhere between two and a half and four and a half billion worldwide at the moment. So there's a market servicing, you know, people wanting to do this, um, that's enormous. And when you think of customers in this space, you know, people are saying, and, and lots of studies by people are a lot cleverer than myself, um, are saying that 72% of customers feel loyalty towards at least one brand. Um, and equally, I think Nick, you'd said there was something around the average American belongs to almost 17 loyalty programs, um, themselves. I'm, I'm just amazed at that. So I'm, I've, I don't think I'm a member of 17 loyalty programs. Um, but saying that when I started to think about it beforehand, I was like, well, I've got this loyalty program and my wallet, um, rather than being full of money, is full of cards of, of different loyalty schemes so yeah i mean 16.7 seems like loads but you know i i think you know th these are the statistics and, and and that's probably true for for some of us that you know we're we're members of you know a number of these loyalty programs some of them that are free some of them that are paid for but yeah it's a quite a, a scary and, and startling stats i think well you know and i think also that that really you know 
point something out for me as well, Nick, the, the point in terms of being a member of so many. Yeah, people are struggling with this. This isn't something that everyone's nailed. Um, you know, 42% of brands think their loyalty program is effective. And that's, you know, we're talking about management within those brands. But that in itself says 58% of managers really don't think theirs are effective. And therefore, you know, we've got almost two thirds of brands struggling with this. Um, and going on beyond that, you know, we've got the fact that I think it is the, the, the most kind of top reason for people leaving loyalty programs, um, and abandoning them is, is disappointing rewards that, that, that they don't have 27% of customers not feeling like those rewards are valuable enough. It's clearly the, something that customers aren't fully satisfied with as well as businesses themselves. So I think that's, you know, hugely interesting that, you know, it's, it's about the, the value of the rewards. But the thing that I found interesting, Toby, as we were talking through some of these stats earlier, was the amount of, of customers that will actually spend money or, um, you know, spend more after signing up for a, a loyalty program. I was talking briefly about my wife using a, a particular supermarket loyalty program and how she'll come to me and say she's going to buy something that's two or three pounds more expensive to earn 15, 15 pence is worth of, of loyalty points. But I think that bears out in the stats as well, if I'm, if I'm right, Toby. Yeah, I think, I think I agree in, in terms of, of people spending more. And this is why businesses are looking to do this is to, you know, but we're looking at some of the top reasons it is to build the spending power of individual customers and equally kind of build those, those long-term relationships. But I think, you know, it might, it might be worth looking at now in terms of who does this well, um, are there particular brands out there that, and household names that, that you can think of, Nick, that, that really smash this. So, uh, we are, for, for those of you listening in the UK, we are Sainsbury's shoppers in this house. So we don't mind saying it. We are Sainsbury's people. Um, they do the, the nectar loyalty scheme, which is, which is actually really good. And, you know, my wife is very keen on, on the kind of loyalty, uh, program that they drive. It's a very straightforward one though. It's pretty much points for pounds. So every time you spend a pound or two pounds, I think you get a point or two points that's worth, you know, a few pence. Um, but you know, particularly as you know, we're going there and, and kind of, um, but you know, we've got to buy our groceries every week, whether we like it or not. The fact that they're kind of recognizing that we're, we're buying with them through giving us money back to spend in store um is is really good there's um a, a couple of others and, and toby I'll, I'll certainly come back to you and ask you for some of your favorites in a minute but i guess beyond the kind of points for pounds type example like nectar another i, I i'm really keen on is, is lego so they do something called lego vip which which i quite like one of the things they'll do is they'll give you kind of early access to exclusive sets and things like that that are coming out. So it's much more around, you know, um, things that money can't buy or kind of, you know, um, it's not just purely you spend money with us and we'll give you some cash back. It's more about being part of that exclusive club. You know, they've called it VIP and the, the loyalty program is kind of, you know, aimed at making people feel like VIPs of, of Lego. So, and I, I don't know, Toby, whether you've got any particular um favorites out there in in the market that you've seen beyond obviously nectar which we've, we've talked about already so i think what you people are quickly going to learn from from this short conversation is what nick and i do in our spare time is slightly different but it gets to the same same end point in terms of of what we're driving so my example i really want to bring out is north face um so whilst nick's at home doing his lego salvi and the hills walking but the 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 way they've designed this program is is there is yes there is a bit of a points for pounds at the start that, that kind of drives interactions and, and sales but at the end of the day north face are really trying to offer their loyal their loyalist their most loyal customers premium experiences and access to things like expeditions with you know 
well-known famous explorers um, testing new kit out, out in, in the wilderness. Things that you can't actually get your hands on or pay for um, that actually are there to, to drive great experiences and, and give people trust in a brand and something that they wouldn't be able to get elsewhere that I think is, you know, a really nice way of looking at how you can go beyond just offering people, you know, small things or products um, and, and vouchers, etc. Another example that kind of goes on this is actually brings it slightly back towards um, insurance. It was, I think they launched this back in about 2010 now, and it's no longer in circulation, I think, because I, I don't think the insurer who, who created this loyalty program is still still running, but I could be wrong. Um, and they designed, they were called Buzz, and they basically spent a lot of time um, going through designing this program in terms of what do their customers actually want that goes above and beyond the insurance products that they offer. Um, and what they found out is that customers themselves wanted more time. Um, now, unless you're a, a wizard or kind of, you know, go down that route, it's probably something that you can't just put out your back pocket and, and put on the table. But they, they gave it a lot of thought. Um, and what they came up with was, was a load of services that they could do for customers that would give them the time back. So instead of spending their time washing, gardening, um, looking after, you know, various things around the house, they would pay for a service to come in and do one of those things for you based on, on what you spent. Fantastic disclaimer there. If you are a wizard, you <laughs> may not need loyalty schemes as, as much as the next person, but I think that's, um, <laughs> very interesting. Um, so we'll, we'll bring you back to insurance, Toby. And I think what we'll, we'll talk about now is who we've picked out today to talk about, who we think are, are one of the best in the business when it comes to, to loyalty programs. So we're going to talk about vitality. Um, so we, we think particularly in insurance that, you know, when it comes to, um, health insurance and life insurance, vitality are either the best or one of the best in the business, um, with, with their loyalty program, they've really changed the game when it comes to, to customer loyalty and their brand, um, hopefully some of our listeners will will agree um is really synonymous with driving customer loyalty and rewarding customers for that loyalty through the products and services that they push out into the market so um we were talking about this toby and, and when we started talking about um loyalty i think we we both pretty much instantly said well let, let's talk about vitality because i think they, they do a lot of great stuff um i'm just gonna I don't know how you become the, the stats person. I don't know whether this will be a regular thing, but you've become the stats person today. I'd just like to come back to you and ask you a little bit about some of, some of the stats because I know you found a few bits and pieces out about Vitality when we started digging into you know their, their loyalty program. So yeah, it'd be great to, to hear a bit about what it is they're trying to do and what they're achieving. So yeah, so I, I think you, the the real question here that, that needs to be answered as well, and you just touched on it, Nick, is, is what are they trying to achieve? And and for Vitality, what is their mission here? And I think it, it's twofold. Um, one is they're trying to tie in their customers for longer and build those long-term relationships with the brands so that they continue to be customers. And, you know, like all brands, they, they want to receive money and, and payment from those, those customers. But I think the other thing that they're trying to do is they're trying to make their insured customers healthier. So they're trying to make their own risk better so that they make more money on their customers um, and improve their underwriting ratios, et cetera. Um, so I think it's actually, you know, it, it's those two things that you need to keep in mind whenever we're thinking and talking about vitality today. Um, but with that, the, the stats out there, and I think this was by the, the British Medical Journal ran, ran a study and there's been other people who've, who've run studies on this. But if you are a customer of vitality and you engage in their program rather than not engage in their program, 
then there's 34% less hospital visits for those customers um, who engage in that, that program. And within that, those stays are percentage-wise quite a lot shorter. I think it's around 20% shorter. Um, I need to, to check my, my stats. I'm clearly doing a poor job on this one here, Nick. Um, but I think it's it's really important to think that not only are they cutting the number of stays, they're cutting the length and severity of those stays for the customers. Um, and that's, I think, driven primarily due to, you know, the extra activity and the extra focus on it. But customers on average do almost five days of extra activity per month from being engaged in, in you know, um, in this program quite exactly what extra activity day means um you know when i have to obviously clarify and i doubt it's running for 24 hours um but i think that that shows exactly you know how successful this is being and is why that they're allowed as a, as a brand to come out and make massive statements like we're going to make 100 million people 20 percent healthier by 2025 this it's really interesting, Toby, and I think you know, when you think about what Vitality are doing here with their loyalty program, um, we'll get into some of the big questions that maybe you know we would ask people to, to think about if they're going to try and be better than Vitality and create their own loyalty programs um, later on down the line. But the thing that I find really interesting here is um, what people are expected to give up to be part of this program. So obviously Vitality offer a number of rewards, but they want something in return, and what they ultimately want in return is, is healthier customers. So they're asking their customers to give up, not cash. So unlike Amazon Prime, where you have to pay to be part of this loyalty scheme, to, to get into this loyalty scheme, you you need to be willing to give up your time and your energy. So that's the commodity here that Vitality are trading on. So the, the, the trade-off is you give us time and energy to get fitter, we will provide you with all these great loyalty benefits that make you feel better about it. And actually, you know, as a result, we'll, we'll help you live those kind of healthier, better lives. So without um, any more talk on that Toby I wondered if we can move into some of the, the big questions so you and I have, have sort of thought about this and you know we run we run projects that are around kind of customer retention customer loyalty previously um and we, we've tried to think of what are the big questions the big four or five questions that an insurance company or any business would need to think about when they are trying to launch a loyalty program that can compete with the best in the business so I don't know, Toby, maybe you can start us off by giving us a couple of these big questions that you think it'd be worth um, companies thinking about out there. So I think, you know, when you're thinking about designing it, the first question that, that we certainly think is important is to understand and articulate what you as an organization, business, brand are trying to achieve through your loyalty program. Um, you know, that is key. And the first kind of stake in the ground that, that we think is really important that, that you answer. The second um, question that we want to think about is which of your customers um, can you make loyal and, you know, make, have, have a system in place that, that ensures that, you know, this is going to work and be effective, but being very particular about which customers um, and customer types they are. And then, Nick, I don't know if you want to touch on the, the next couple. Yeah, so so I, I think, you know, it's, it's really good to have that kind of foundation in terms of what are you trying to do and, and who are you trying to do it with. I think the next couple of questions that are kind of intertwined, which is, first of all, you know, we talked a moment ago about the fact that Vitality will ask customers to give up their time and energy as a commodity. The next question we, we would ask is, what do you think people will, will give you in order to earn, you know, some sort of reward for their loyalty? What is it that you need as a, as a company 
to be able to to kind of you know allow people to to earn those rewards and then i think on on the flip side of that the, the next question would be what do people expect um what do they want in return for for their loyalty um and then i think there's probably one other question Toby, that's worth us touching on today which is um how can you make customers loyal to your brand in particular um, um you know this isn't a marketing podcast we're not going to be talking a huge amount about branding but we know that you know brand plays a very large part in customer loyalty so how do the businesses or or um you know particular stakeholders within businesses understand whether or not it's possible to, to make customers uh, loyal to the brand that you've got and are there any specific barriers that might stop them from from being loyal as a result of the brand or the brand image that you present so i, th I think those there's five there they're all particularly meaty toby and i think what we're going to do is sort of dive into now some of the the tactics in terms of how you might approach some of these so maybe we could start off with your first question which is you know what 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 are companies trying to achieve through their loyalty program based on the the tools and techniques that we use on a, a daily basis out there with with our clients that that we we're helping to innovate um in the insurance market how would you go about this so how would you go about establishing what it is you're trying to achieve through a loyalty program so the, the first thing that, that jumps to mind here when, when thinking about this and, and talking tactics, sadly, probably less exciting than Rome Total War, where we're actually going to show a battle, but uh, we'll, we'll try our best with tactics, is that ultimately what you're trying to achieve is, it's a strategic decision at the end of the day, I think, Nick. I think it's it, it's understanding how as a business, making a, a group decision is, it's not an individual thing, um, about what your strategic aim with this is. And I think that requires a, a deep dive to ask some really deep questions um and align on this and i think the first one that, that jumps out is are we reacting to a particular force in the market option a or actually is this a proactive and disruptive move where you spite an opportunity so so yeah I, I agree so i've spent a fair bit of time working on strategy over the years toby and i think this is a a fundamental question to to answer and i think you know that definition of is it a reactive strategy what i guess we're talking about here is Something's happened in the market that is forcing your company to sit up and think, we need to make our customers, you know, be more loyal to our business because this thing has happened. Whether it's a new entrant or whether it's something crazy like the pandemic or some new regulation or, you know, whatever that might be. And um, that's very different to saying, do you know what? We think um, there's a gap that we can go after. We think there's a, a distinct opportunity here. Um, and those two strategies were different. And I think, you know, just starting there in terms of understanding, are you looking to maintain a lot of the time or protect your business or are you looking to grow can help you start to think about actually, you know, what it is you're looking to achieve through your, your, your loyalty program. And I think both of those things, Nick, they, they really come with, with one thing that, that has to follow that, which is, which is timeline in any innovation or anything you're trying to build something, you have a certain time window and you have to be aware of what's happening outside in the market, what other people are doing. Because the one thing that you're trying to do, someone might achieve quicker um, if, if you don't you know, achieve it within those timelines. So I think you have to understand when you're trying to achieve this by. And I think the other thing that I think is really important to be holistic about is as a business starting to think about what other initiatives are there out out there in your organization that are building towards the same goal, the same strategic aim. So, so I, I think, I guess, Toby, just to sort of round this out. So I, I kind of, you know, that, that strategic look at, at, um, you know, what it is that's driving you to want to do this, what else is going on and when you need to do it by, is there a way 
um, that you would sort of tie this up. So once you've, you've done that exercise and you've kind of gone through the strategic process of, you know, knowing what it is that you want to do, why you want to do it, when you want to do it by what other things exist in the organization that could sort of level up to this, what's the, the, the output that you would recommend here to, to kind of allow people to understand what it is they're trying to achieve? So one of the things that I think is so effective at, at doing this is creating a North Star vision statement. Um, now this, this statement is a very short statement made up of, you know, we're talking one to, to two ideally sentences. We're not going much beyond that. Um, that really articulates very concisely and very cleanly what you're trying to achieve here. And the other portion that goes with that, um, is what I like to term a base camp statement. Um, I haven't quite managed Everest yet and I doubt I ever will, but you know, I'm going to pretend that there's a base camp that we can all get to. Um, and that's, you know, starting to, to be a bit more realistic about where you start. The North Star vision isn't something that your first loyalty program you offer is going to deliver, but your base camp is where you start and you need to be able to communicate that as concisely as this North Star vision. Um, and once you've got those two statements, these are things that you can bring to life in various different ways through video, through PowerPoint, you know, through posters, all of these things, but it's important that you do bring it to life and that you do push it out to the group that's working on this because this is something that you can all align and get behind and equally everyone shares this this long-term vision um that you're building towards and i think this is you know this is really helpful and, and i've certainly worked on projects with you toby before when we've done the the north star vision and you know the example you gave earlier 100 million people 20 percent healthier by 2025 is a, is a great north star so you know vitality here have, have nailed this in terms of what it is that they want to do you know that they're clearly in a, an area where they're looking to to grow here. This isn't a kind of reaction, reactionary vision, so it's not kind of protect protect the base. This is really ambitious. Let's make 100, 100 million people 20% healthier by 2025. And it really kind of ties down that, um, that North Star. You know, this is about them breaking new ground and doing something that's really kind of, uh, you know, pushing past what exists at the moment. So and I think that's a, a great little summary. What I will come on to now though is to talk about customer types so um I, the next question we wanted to ask was which customer types can you make loyal you know I'll, I'll start off with this toby and i know when we started talking about this um prior to this podcast we were sort of saying you know you need to have a grip of who who those particular customer types or segments are but there's a little bit of a a danger here there's a bit of a trap door that that we've seen customers clients that we work with kind of fall into which is being very quick leap to categorizing people by demographics only so there's there's a danger here that if you categorize people just by their age or just by where they live they're actually not getting a, a good enough picture of what those customers are to be able to build something for them you know i, I do it myself sometimes in my own head and you, you kind of realize that you're doing it before you've even done it yourself you're basically looking to understand specific customer behaviors and motivations um, you know, thinking about, and I think this is what you said, Nick, what drives customers to do X? Exactly. And, and I think, um, you know, that innovation is, is littered with, um, you know, good examples of this, of, of when, um, innovators have actually identified a very specific motivation or behavior or attitude, um, that is actually much more important than somebody's age or location or whatever it is. And I'm going to touch on a a famous case study, I think, which is um, Olay, the, the face cream or whatever whatever else it is, some sort of kind of 
I think cucumber tastes a bit like Olay. I, don't ask me why, but I, I think it does. And don't ask me why I know what Olay tastes like, but there we are. Anyway, so we're talking about the, the beauty brand Olay. Um, they were seen as a kind of bit of a, a fuddy-duddy brand, particularly in the US, something that you sort of, your nan might have, have bought. One of the things they wanted to do was try and, you know, break out of that um, image that they had. And also the, the sales cycle, which let's be frank, if your customers are, are mainly very old women, they were dying off pretty quickly and, and trying to capture a new market segment. They very much thought about this kind of, you know, attitude and motivation. Um, I, I won't, I won't bore you with it for too long, but the, the, the segment they eventually decided to go after, they termed mastige, which was mass prestige. And it was the idea that a number of women um, who would be seen as mass market or shopping for, for mass market skincare products actually wanted to feel like though they were buying prestige or premium products. So how can I feel like I was buying a product that might be worth $100, but only paid $10 for it? And that was a very specific motivation. And I think, again, you know, we, we can talk about this with, with vitality and, and it's very clear to see that there's a, a motivation point to the types of customers they're going after. So I'm, I'm sure if we sat down and talked to somebody from Vitality here, they might tell us actually, you know, there are maybe age demographics and location demographics, but more importantly, they're going after customers that are motivated to stay healthy. That's the motivation piece that sits within that segment they're going after. And I think when we come back to this question, which type of customers can you make loyal? Like we said, it's much more about saying, what are the attitudes and behaviors and motivations of these customers? Because we can make people loyal by, you know, responding to and addressing those motivations rather than saying, we're looking to capture people that are 55 to 65 or, or whatever it is. And I think you, you know, you, you touched some really good points. And I think there, what comes out from that for me is you're being really specific um, and you're not aiming too grandiose. You're not saying we want to capture every customer in the market or every customer that we have. You're being very particular. And especially at the start, I think this is, you know, even more important about going after a small subset of your customer base. So um, I guess we'll, we'll come on to our next question, or maybe it's two questions, and we'll maybe talk about these together, um, which is what will people give you? So, you know, you might need something to um, help you, you know, run this loyalty program. So what is it you're seeking from customers um, and what, what will they give you? And then what do they expect in return? So what do they want as a result of giving you that thing? So, you know, where we're talking about vitality, for example, they're looking, you know, for their customers to give them time, effort, improve their health and then provide the data on their health to help them their underwrite and in return vitality are providing a whole bunch of health related stuff and a bunch of rewards that like i say go from a, a cup of coffee right through to um a, a wearable uh, apple d device so i think what we try to we're going to try and understand now toby is how might you go about you know th those two things understanding what it is people will actually give you and then understanding what it is that they expect in return. Yeah. So I, th I think, you know, for one of a, a better term, this is a value exchange in some form. Um, and building a, a value exchange that both sides see as valuable um, isn't easy. You know, that, that's the, the, the common kind of heart of any product. Um, and it rarely works just to slap something out in the market. Um, and wait to see whether you're successful or not. Yeah, you might be, but uh, I'd rather put something out in the market that, that I trusted and believe and, and have something showing me that it's going to be successful. Um, so I think this is where we, we start to 
to question about how do you go about testing it? Because, you know, it is a, a complicated thing we're trying to build. Um, you can have conversations with customers clearly, and I think this is something that the people have done for years. But one of the things we often find, and, and Nick, you'll probably be able to talk to this better than I can, but what people say and what people do is slightly, you know, it's often very different. So I guess, what are some of the things you might you might do, Nick, to to make sure you're getting data on what customers do rather than what they say? So uh, I think you're, you're exactly right. There's a great book um, called Talking to Humans, and we'll we'll stick a link to it in the show notes because I think you can you can get it for free if you subscribe on the website. But that's the the thesis, which is if you sit down and talk to somebody about what they want, um, it's it's not what they will do. You know, they will go out and do something very different. Um, but there there are a number of ways that you can do this, and I think for us when we try and test what people will actually do rather than what they say. It's about trying to get as close to the product uh, or the the sale or whatever it is uh, as possible um, through innovation tools and techniques. So um, we'll get, maybe I'll give you a, a couple of examples here. So I guess if it was that, you know, we've asked this first question, what is it that people will give you? If it is like Vitality or like some of these other uh, kind of loyalty schemes out there like Nectar, it's about data can you know can we really get people to part with their data for a, a reward you can test this you can use innovation tools and techniques to test this we would normally call them fake door experiments toby we've done this a number of times where we might develop a landing page we'd ask people to kind of you know leave your email address or leave your name and address or you know whatever that might be you know submit some some data to us as long as we're you know within the the gdpr guidelines other bits and pieces we would ask people to, to do that but that will give you a very early read of whether or not you can actually you know you can capture the data that you need um people saying oh yeah you know i'll be fine giving you my email address is very different to somebody actually putting it in a box and submitting it and these are things that you can kind of knock up you know very very quickly um and simply and and this will give you some of that evidence um, to be able to make the decision, you know, yes, you can or no, you can't get what it is you, you need off customers. I guess on the other side of that, Toby, where we're talking about actually what is it that that people want, um, the, the technique we would use here, we call growth hacking, which is the idea of running a number of different campaigns. Um, I guess similar to A-B testing out there in the market, but ones that kind of have a number of different features and benefits. We would normally run these on social media, push out a number of adverts into the big wide world and then again test which ones people actually click on see which ones people are actually interested in so rather than me sitting down with a blank sheet of paper and saying what are the benefits you want let's push 10 adverts out there through social media and see which ones actually get the best click-through rates because that's a much better indicator of what people actually do in the real world rather than just what they what they might say to us and i, I think within that um You've got to think about that these things aren't standalone things that you're doing. You know, you're going down a process and you're iterating and you're building on this. So if you are pushing out, as a first point of call, some adverts that, that are looking to measure engagement, you're making an assumption that you're trying to prove it or disprove it. But that's not saying that a customer is going to sign up to your loyalty program because in effect, they're interested in in getting the, the free brownie out of the back. And actually, people would rather free brownie than... A pressure washer for example i think what you've got to be on that and and we've done this quite a lot of times from a design point of view yours are definitely better than mine nick but building a kind of quasi product behind it a website that you take people down a a bit of a 
you know, not necessarily the most sophisticated, but a sales funnel of type where people are interacting with information, people are interacting with the ability to, to have some value exchange on that website, be it sign up, be it provide detailed data, be it actually almost get to the point where they're clicking a buy button, but, but the website tells them that it's not going to work or, or whatever. Um, but you're basically saying, you know, give us this and we'll do this. And you can have people behind the scenes. You can have Nick sat there doing the stuff that they're asking for. We've tested products where we've actually been doing it manually on websites of our own behind it. So, so I think Toby, uh, I'm going to come back to you talking about the wizard earlier. I don't know why I'm coming back to this, but innovation and particularly when you're developing, uh, you know, something like a loyalty program, this isn't a dark art. You're not relying on magic to make it work. It's about data. It's about using those innovation tools and techniques to get the data to make the right decision. Um, and, you know, I hear people talk a lot about the fact that innovation is, a, is risky and innovation, if anything, is about reducing risk. So it's about helping you understand which are the right decisions to make to be able to achieve your goals. So if it is that you're saying, you know, through our loyalty program, we're trying to win more customers, you know, a, as a result, we would like customers to remain loyal by giving us, you know, whatever data and in return, we'll give them such and such. You can make those decisions through those tests that we're talking about there. It's about constantly refining, constantly getting close to that answer through some of these tools and techniques that, that we might use. Um, so I'm going to come on to the last question, Toby, which I think is quite interesting. And I'm going to, I'm going to start on this one before I hand over, which is how can you make people loyal to your brand? So this is a really tough, um, one. So, um, we often work with insurance companies that, um, see their brand as a strength and sometimes as a, as, as a weakness. Um, the question we would always ask is the problem that you're trying to solve or the product that you're trying to launch, do we think that customers can imagine your brand doing that? Um, so, you know, the example might be, um, you know, Coca-Cola, you know, if they were going to launch a new fruit drink rather than, you know, the, the Coca-Cola that, that everybody knows and loves, we're pretty sure that people can imagine Coca-Cola doing that for them because there's a kind of natural synergy between launching a new drink and, and what they currently do. If it was that Coca-Cola wanted to get into the, you know, um, maybe they wanted to be, open a florist chain or something like that, can people see Coca-Cola doing flowers, you know, fresh flowers? Maybe they can, maybe they can't, but there's a couple of things here. Ask yourself, but ask your customers as well. Um, there's a number of ways to do this. And, um, and um, there are research exercises you can do. Um, so conjoint research is a good way to do this. Ask people to rank your brand and other brands, um, against the, 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 the service that you're looking to launch. So if it is, you're looking to launch a loyalty program that asks for something and will give a bunch of, of, um, rewards in return. Can people see that or, or align that with your brand versus some other competitive brands that are in the market? It'll give you a very quick read on whether or not there is that kind of brand um, and product synergy um, that you're going to need when you, you go ahead and, and launch something like this. So I think, Toby, what we'll do is we'll come we'll come on now. We've spent a long time talking about this, actually, and I think it's probably time for us to, to start talking about um, what an MVP of something like this might look like. So if I was going to launch a new loyalty program, um, what might the first iteration of a, a loyalty program look like? So I, I think there's there's you know, a couple of ways of going about this. Um, everyone has their own flavor of it. Um, but I think particularly with, with loyalty programs, I feel like 
it's more likely that an MVP of this is, is going to be digitally based in, in some format. You could do all of this stuff that I'm about to, to touch on. You could send out letters. You could kind of put the value proposition in front of them on paper. But you're trying to get like drive engagement with people. Effectively, you're not trying to build the whole thing at once. You know, it might be as simple as a landing page to register that has a couple of pages behind it in terms of value propositions. Um, and you're putting this out to customers. It's got to be branded at, at this stage um, if you're really trying to capture things around a brand. But, you know, we respect that that's quite difficult in, in big organizations to get a sign up from governance, et cetera. Um, so we'd recommend it being branded, but you might have to put it out there under other brands. But, you know, you just have to be realistic about what you can learn from that and what you can't. Um, and I think the other thing to, to touch on when you're building this, this MVP is don't try and make it perfect. It's not going to be perfect and you don't want it to be perfect. It's about gathering data and learning. And secondly, because it's about gathering data and learning, before you've launched this, before you've designed it, you need to know what you're trying to learn from it. And you need to have clear data points and KPIs that are going to indicate whether you've done this or not and can help inform next steps. I think that's right. And uh, I'll come back to the point you made earlier, Toby, about the idea that you know, your MVP um, should be looking to validate that this is something that you want to invest in. As a result, whatever you build, what's the simplest way that you can validate that this is going to be something that's going to work for customers? So thinking about a loyalty program, what's the very simplest way that you can validate that people are going to sign up for it, people that are going to stay with it, and they're going to use the rewards that you're providing them with? It's probably something like, you know, like we've mentioned, probably a landing page or something along along those lines where you, you capture data and you allow people to sort of redeem some of those those rewards develop something that is you know maybe hand cranked behind the scenes but gives you those data points that you need to be confident that you'll be able to move forward into, into launching a, a loyalty program like this um so toby i think we, we're going to round up and i think it's probably time for us just to sort of talk about a couple of takeaways or a few takeaways that we've got um so I'm going to start off with with one or two, and then Toby, maybe I'll hand over to you for, for some of yours. Um, so I think the first one I, I would say that people should probably take away from this, particularly when we're talking about loyalty programs, but you know, in terms of any other product development, well, I think this stands true, which is when you're, when you're thinking about your customers, it's not just about the demographics, but it's about understanding their motiv motivations and their attitudes and the, the things that are going to drive them to engage with a loyalty program. You need some good, solid customer testing around that um, to, to, you know, to start with before you think about what is it that we're, we're going to build? So what are the motivations rather than just demographics? Um, and the other one I, I wanted to add is what people say and what they do are two very different things. Um, so, Toby, I don't know whether you've got any very specific takeaways from from today. So, yeah, there's a, there's a couple I want to touch on, and I think the my first one builds on what you just said, is that it doesn't take millions to build knowledge and, and prove this. Um, and I think to your point, Nick, in terms of what people say and do it, are very different things. You know, you've got to do a lot of work exploring the problem, understanding customer needs, before you even start doing the, the pre-to-type, the prototype that we talked about. Um, but all that stuff is very cheap. It, it's time and effort you know it really is worth your team a couple of people in your team putting some hard graft in and a bit of time and effort to explore this um the next the next point is is slightly different but i think it it's about asking those hard questions up front does your company have a right to do this to do whatever that value exchange and that 
that loyalty program is um and equally with that it's really important that you trust your gut feeling with that because you know there is science that sits behind all of this but it does equally you've got to trust your gut on, on things like having a right to, to act in this space i don't know if if nick beyond that there's there's a couple more you want to touch on well I, I think i'll probably just have one more toby which i think we'll we'll come back to as we go through this series of podcasts is the idea that innovation isn't comfortable um people that are doing this and are thinking about launching a product service and in this case a loyalty scheme should prepare for the fact this is going to be uncomfortable and it's not going to be a smooth ride you're not going to get it right the first time you're going to make a bunch of assumptions that you're probably going to prove wrong you're going to find that customers don't want what you think they want or maybe they won't interact with the prototypes that you develop this isn't going to be straightforward but you should be ready for that and that's part of the innovation process so if it feels uncomfortable and it feels like you know goodness me what are we doing here this is really pushing me outside my comfort zone you're probably doing something right you're probably de-risking that product or service and getting towards the point that you're able to to go and launch something so I, I think toby that that is probably it for us for for today so um i'm reflecting back on this is our first podcast we've probably spoken for too long so uh, apologies to anybody that is sick and tired of mine and toby's voices but um we promise to maybe try and be slightly more succinct um next time um toby i, I i'd like to thank you for your insights and, and honesty as always i know this isn't like you know as we did earlier on in the podcast i welcomed you to it i'm now thanking you for this this is your room nick i'm i'm just grateful that i was invited into your digital space it is it is my room toby you're, you're quite right so um i just like to um reach out to our audience and say thank you for taking the time to listen to us um we will be launching another podcast um next week so there'll be another episode coming out in the meantime we'd really like to hear your views on what it is that we've been talking about are there companies that we've missed out that you think absolutely nailed this loyalty whether that's in insurance or, or outside um we'd like to understand what you're struggling with when you're building your own loyalty programs so our details to contact us will be in the show notes um but until next time toby thank you very much <laughs>